What is going on, everybody? I'm Armin Hammer. Welcome to today, February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. No, Siri, you can't help me with anything. Silence. Computers are just trying to take over the world, everybody. I don't know what's going on. Today, we're going to be talking about the Norwegian CrossFit Championships. That takes off this weekend, starting tomorrow, Valentine's Day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be uh, live streamed. It's going to be live streamed on Morning Chalk Up's YouTube channel and uh, Facebook. I'm pretty sure also the CrossFit Games website because they tend to do that sort of thing and they kind of like, you know, are helping spread the good news that is sanctional action. So uh, today, before the action kicks off, we're going to be talking about a few different things, specifically some of the athletes to watch out for, as well as the, um, how you say, programming. So we're going to take a look at the programming. We're going to take a look at what to expect. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be good. They actually have have released every single workout. Um, I'm pretty sure they've released every single workout that the uh, athletes are going to be going up against. And um, Morning Chalk Up has done a really good job of, of bringing together some details as to what to expect for the uh, the athletes competing, um, the prize pool, that sort of thing. So we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and and get in on that action. As always, folks, if you have any questions or if you have any um, concerns, comments, thoughts, feelings, emotions, quandaries, dilemmas, you can just toss it right into that YouTube comment section for me to look at at some point throughout the live stream but uh, we are doing this live I hope the audio is doing well uh, a lot of people have been saying the audio levels just haven't been evened out so I've been working on it been working on it yesterday seemed to be a lot better today hopefully is also an improvement and so on and so forth until we reach some sort of mythical perfection but obviously we're not there yet so what we're going to do is Talk about the Norwegian CrossFit Championship, folks. All right, here we go. This is the Morning Chalk Up article. I just wanted to take a quick look at this in order for us to talk about um, a few details. One is the prize pool. So you can see right here, $1,300 US for the top elite individuals and team divisions. $543 US for second place, $326 for third place. Not the biggest prize pool in the world, but based off of what I've seen from... Um, social media from morning chalk ups pages from Craig Ritchie who's out there uh, from the the various sort of entities involved the setting looks super dope and they should be pretty pumped uh, about the experience in general um, not every event is going to be a Dubai or Rogue or Wadapalooza um, there there are certainly tiers in terms of which events offer what type of cash money and um, it's okay that some events are are mainly banking on having the game spot available as opposed to a big cash prize. But that sort of thing changes all the time. So, you know, and by the way, I guess shout out to Nike for just getting a bunch of free airtime on that ad. You got it, guys. I don't know if you guys heard of this, this small, tiny shoe company called Nike. They exist. Just going to help them out for a second there. There you go. You're very, you're very welcome, Metcons. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's not meat cons. So um, according to the 
Morning Chalk Up. 26 countries will be represented in the individual divisions and five CrossFit Games Open National Champions who've already gotten their invitations will be there, including Nicolay Billodell, Linus Brissander, those are the men, Gabriela Magala, Amigo Knights, and Lisa Ebel. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go ahead and just apologize because I know I messed up at least three of those at least three of those at least 60 percent of those names i just completely tanked so let's just pretend like i know how to pronounce european names and we'll we'll just move on together we'll just move on together all right um they kind of are shouting out a few different athletes to keep your eyes on obviously we've seen megala compete at a few different sanctionals so far she had a fourth place finish in dubai she finished second place at strength and depth she's already gotten her spot she's young i think she's only 21 uh national champ out of poland very 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 impressive athlete to watch an interesting little tidbit here they mentioned that in 2016 she competed in the team division and finished third in the 16 to 17 year old age group now something that's interesting to me about that is that the the crossover athletes from the age group divisions that we've seen get into the open divisions tend to actually do better in the open divisions if they did not win the teenage divisions. So we don't see a lot of athletes who have won the teenage divisions showing up and doing really well in the open division. But athletes like Magala, Haley Adams, um, these aren't athletes that have won the teenage division. As far as I know, they they both were podium finishers in the teenage division, but neither of them were, were winners in the teenage division. So I think it, it's there's there's some sort of trend there. Obviously, we need a few more years of data. We need to see a couple more athletes come through. Um, but I, I think I think that's probably going to be borne out by experience. Probably has something to do with peaking early or you know time spent training or something like that. I don't know. Either way, a couple other athletes that they keep their eyes on. Um, Andreas Solberg, who's uh, the Filthy 150 uh, invitee from uh, from that sanctional. She's, uh, she's going to be competing here. When I spoke with her in uh, Ireland, in Dublin, after the Filthy 150, she was actually kind of eyeballing this as like her main competition for the season. Uh, that was going to be her qualifying her qualifying attempt, you know, she wasn't really expecting to do as well as she did in uh, Ireland in Filthy 150. So at Filthy 150, I don't know which preposition go- goes there. In Filthy 150, technically, like in the sanctioned event, at because it's the she didn't expect to do as well as she did at Filthy 150, and therefore was really pleasantly surprised when she got the game spot out of it. So now it's kind of like gravy to get to compete um, and, uh, you know, sort of keep keep sharp. Uh, Jackie Dahlstrom, also incredibly, incredibly uh, solid athlete. Lots of fun to watch. Um, they have a cool little tidbit here. Again, Morning Chocolate really crushing it with the cool little tidbits. Fun fact, Jackie Dahlstrom, this Norwegian, is just one of four athletes with multiple sanctional event wins in her career, joining the likes of Tia Claire Toomey, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, and Samantha Briggs. She won two sanctions last year, two sanctionals last year, and uh, got her invite through the open. So, as always, today's episode is brought to us by water and hydration. But um, this is not a wide-mouthed mason jar this is a glass that i stole 
uh, with my wife. My wife and I stole from Iceland, from a bar in Iceland. Everything's got a story, folks. Everything. It's crazy. It's crazy out here. On the men's side, we are going to be talking about, uh, in my opinion, really fun people to watch. Uh, the uh, the sort of the 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 national champion of Norway, Nikolai Billet. I'm so sorry, Nico B over here. He's going to be competing in front of his uh, his home crowd. That is always super dope. Uh, we saw something like that happen at Strength and Depth, where the national champion Zach George was there competing. You know, David Sharonke came out and earned the qualifying spot in front of his home crowd. That's always super cool to see. That's always really fun. Um, getting a chance to sort of do that in front of your home crowd, and and you know, I, I think that's that's exciting. Uh, Lazar du- du- Dukic's brother Luca is coming in. Uh, he's the younger brother of Lazar Dukic, who is a super super duper fit uh, world's best time at 20.5 i think he was the only sub 10 on that workout with all the wall ball and the muscle ups yeah that was that was really really gnarly really really gnarly and the rowing man super impressive um a few athletes who have uh, who have team uh competition underneath their belts um on the men's side on the team division a few teams that we've actually seen compete, maybe not necessarily with the same roster, but certainly the same names, athlete program, the program. These are these are teams that we saw compete at Filthy 150. Um, they fielded some teams as well across the rest of the season. Uh, we have a, a few different, you know, rosters here. Like, for example, Carolyn Prevost, who is competing with the athlete program, like she's already qualified. Uh, she did really well last year. She's 12th at the games last year. It's probably going to take a minor miracle for her to decide not to do an individual competition at the games, but that's not really going to be a factor because the team competition, you can qualify with whatever team of four that you want. Once the qualification is over, you register your team and you elect two alternates, one male, one female, out of that group of six, which includes the four athletes that qualified you and your two alternates, you have to be able to field a team of four. You have to be able to field a team of two males, two females. So that's how you see these teams that are stacked to the gills with games athletes or people that you know are just not going to be competing individual. They essentially are taking the risk like hey we're going to definitely get a spot to the games we're going to definitely qualify a team but we're not going to be able to have the alternate spots because you know let's say we have two individual athletes on the team that is going to help us qualify for the CrossFit Games we're going to get our team across the line get their name into the hat for the actual big show out in Madison but those two are going to decide to go individual well we're left with the four athletes that we actually can field and if one of them is injured then we're just boned and it is what it is but what are you going to do? You end up going to the CrossFit Games. You get some free swag from Reebok. Uh, I'm trying to think of other positives. You get to add CrossFit Games athlete to your Instagram. You see what I mean? There's so many positives to this. It's uh, it's it, And I had this idea. I don't know if, how you guys feel about this, but I had this idea, and I mentioned this to um, Rich Froning, one Mr. Richard Froning. Uh, and I said... Rich, your team's going to win the CrossFit Games. And he said, yes. Duh. And I said, you know what you should do? You should auction off 
get this folks million dollar idea maybe not you should auction off for charity your alternate spots because the field the team that he fields is it's going to win it is what it is there isn't really anything that's going to stop that from happening you know someone knock on some wood here but basically what i'm saying is like hey man you're basically auctioning off a gold medal at the crossfit games for nothing like it's not going to be anything off his back someone gets to get a jersey and like a little bit of a kit from the crossfit games super dope it can be anybody he can elect anybody to be that alternate so he can auction them off at any point and uh you know i think i think there's uh, there's people that would pay a lot of money there's people that would pay a lot of money it's like I, I guess it's not a good idea but a games athlete could probably auction off their coaches pass as well but there's like a there's a point at which you're too you're too good at the CrossFit Games to want to just give up your coach's pass. And then there's where Rich is in terms of like the team competition where he's like so good and his team is so stacked that it doesn't even matter who his alternates are. Like he's not going to field the other alternates on the team because it's the main team that's going to be, you know, driving the ship into the harbor of first place like that analogy all right we're back at it now the programming uh they mention here that the programming is by prepared programming which is owned by phil hesketh he's a old school crossfit games guy you know very very fit himself has a lot of experience in this uh in this world and he actually they've they've definitely uh they've definitely done something really fun with the programming i love some of the angles that they've taken and some of the sort of you know different twists this is one of those situations where we've seen many many different sanctioned events sort of play their own variation on programming to give their own little flavor so i think they did a really good job here of uh of putting that together and at the very end there we can't forget here as a part of Morning Chalk Up's media partnership with the Norwegian CrossFit Championship, Justin LoFranco and Tommy Marquez are on site to provide daily recaps, analysis, feature stories, and interviews. So you can see all that stuff on the Morning Chalk Up website and their YouTube channel. I'm pretty sure the live stream is also going to be on the Morning Chalk Up's website and their YouTube channel. So that's where I'm going to be watching it over the weekend. I hope that's where you guys are also watching it over the weekend. Um, Enough is enough. Let's go ahead and get into some of these workouts. So this is the prepared program page. You probably can't see that. Let's see if we can make that a little bit bigger. Just a little bit bigger. Um, what's their story right now? Oh, well, there you go. They're just looking at the same article that we were just looking at. Dope, guys. Super dope. Uh, let's take a look at the individual programming first. So we're going to start off with event two. The reason we're starting off with event two is because they haven't, as far as I can tell, said exactly what event one is going to be but we know it's going to be some sort of a run and uh, it's going to be outdoors. It's currently, it's like a, it's a ski resort. The event is at a ski resort. Um, it's, it looks really dope. It looks really, really cool actually. So an outdoor run ski resort, you know, they're probably going to do something relatively technical, something cold, something outside um, that makes it very, very, to my American eyes, very Norwegian. So super cool guys. All right, let's go and look at the events. Now I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen a schedule here as to precisely when these events are taking place, but the workouts 
are probably going to spread out, you know, a few each day. So I don't want to guess when the workouts are going to be, but my, my gut tells me it's probably something like one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If I just had to guess, considering there's nine individual events, um, and there's three days of competition, I'm just going to throw it out there that it might just be split between, uh, three on each day. But again, I have no idea. Event number two is eight rounds for time of five and four ring muscle-ups. Now, one of the things I really like about this programming is for every workout, and there there are more divisions, right? They have community divisions. They have master's divisions. So they, they talk about, you know, a lot of the mindset behind programming both workouts that are going to be sending athletes to the CrossFit Games, but also workouts that are going to be appropriate for various levels, various skill levels. And, um, I really like if you haven't seen their Instagram prepared dot programming, pretty cool stuff. Uh, they really go into a lot of detail as to, you know, here are the benchmarks that we had our eyes on. Here's the variation that we wanted to do. Here's why we did it the way we did. I'm really impressed with them laying out their thought process and their groundwork. So this workout event number two, five and four ring muscle ups, eight rounds for time. The idea here is you're essentially doing your set of five or four. They don't have to be unbroken. You come off the rig, you move a chest piece forward so people know which round you're on. You run back and you do it. They talk about this 2014 regionals workout that had 10 rounds of one legless rope climb. It was built the exact same way. You do your legless rope climb, you move your chest piece forward, you run back, you do another legless rope climb, rinse and repeat. So this is going to end up being, as they say, for the best athletes, it's going to be sets of five and four unbroken ring muscle-ups and transition speeds. And for everyone else, it's going to be a, a chance to sort of test out and, and see what pace you can keep across the workout, which I think is a really interesting way of testing something like volume ring muscle-ups. And we're talking about some decent volume here, 40 muscle-ups for the men, 32 muscle-ups for the women. They're, they're going to be feeling that. They're going to be definitely feeling that. And their first two workouts are going to be, you know, a monostructural event in the outdoors. Um, it's cold and it's maybe technical, followed by a single modality gymnastics movement that is full body but has this sort of like built-in transition time into it so it's not just 30 muscle-ups for time it's not just you know 50 handstand push-ups for time or something it's this big sort of moving piece of okay i'm gonna get a little bit aerobic here trying to keep my transitions consistent keep my pacing consistent i think it's a good i think it's a good second event um considering uh you know what that first event looks like event number three is probably my single favorite workout of the weekend. It's actually probably my single favorite open workout. Um, man, is there a better open workout? I don't know if there's a better open workout. This is one of the best open workouts that's ever happened. Um, and it looks a lot more confusing than it actually is. Let me walk you through it. It's a 17-minute AMRAP. The reason why it's a 17-minute AMRAP is it is literally a combination of a 10-minute AMRAP and a 7-minute AMRAP. So 2012, the Open started with what was, in my opinion, the worst Open workout ever, AMRAP 7 minutes of burpees. Yeah, it's about it's, it's, it's as awful as it sounds. It's exactly as awful as it sounds. Then the second workout of 2012 was a 10-minute AMRAP of snatches. You had, you had three uh, different sets of 30 with ascending weight. 
And then the final set was as many reps as you can at the heaviest weight. I think at that point, the heavy snatch was on the men's side 210, on the women's side uh, like 120 maybe. So it was, uh, it was like, let's see, it was probably something like 95 pounds on the men's side for the first set of 30, then 135, then 165, and then 210. And on the women's side, I believe it was something like 65 or 55 85, 105, 115, 120, something like that. So 2013 rolls around and the open begins with a combination of those two workouts. And it's super, super cool. So it's a 17 minute AMRAP, 40 bar facing burpees, 30 snatches at a very lightweight, 30 bar facing burpees, 30 snatches at Isabel weight. 20 bar facing burpees, 30 snatches even heavier than Isabel, and then 10 bar facing burpees and as many snatches as possible at the heaviest weight. So they basically kept the same weights across for the uh, 12.2 workout. They made the, you know, 100 burpees instead of AMRAP burpees, and it's just such a beautiful open workout. I think it's it's just such an elegant open workout. And by the way, snatches and burpees there's a reason why snatches and burpees shows up so often as the opening workout of the open. There's a reason why that combination shows up all the time in the open because it is, and it shows up at the games. It shows up everywhere. It is a savage combination, an absolutely savage combination. You're moving your body through just about the maximum, um, the maximum amount of space you possibly can. Um, in CrossFit, both across a vertical moving weight and uh, a, a horizontal moving weight. And on top of that, there's external weights involved and your body weight involved. And on top of that, it's an ascending ladder. Anyway, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. 17-minute AMRAP. The uh, the scores, they even put up the scores. Uh, I believe they mentioned Neil Maddox got nine reps at the uh, at the final barbell um, for the, the worldwide win. And, uh, yeah, that's dude, this is going to be so much fun to watch. I'm actually really excited for this one. This one's like, like dinged into my calendar. Doesn't matter where I am. This might be Valentine's night and Jaboy is going to be watching this on his phone silently <laughs> or with the time difference it's probably going to be in the afternoon and I'm not gonna have to worry about it. But either way you get what I'm saying. This is a cool workout. I'm excited about this one. Events four and five, these are back-to-backers. Um, again, you can feel the regionals' uh, influence, right? You can feel the sort of the respect, the tip of the cap to the history that is competitive CrossFit, um, which is super dope to see, very exciting. Um, and this is a, a workout that you know you could have potentially seen at regionals i mean we actually saw something that was really similar to this so event four is 64 wall balls 38 toes to bar great weird numbers doesn't make any sense nothing that anybody would ever practice together 64 and 38 38 isn't even a half of 64 what's going on here i it's it's just such like a okay well six is twice three and eight is twice four so then you kind of get carry the six it all makes sense if you look at it from deep within the spectrum and i love it it's, it's great, right? So 64 wall ball, 38 toes to bar. It's like just the right amount of, and it's heavy balls, by the way, heavy balls. Uh, it's basically a 30 pounder and a 20 pounder, uh, men's and women's. So it's heavy. 
heavier than what you'd see generally in the gym, not heavy for these, these athletes. Like it's heavy for you and me, not heavy for them, heavy for you and me. It's, it's like a bigger set than you would want to do. And it's the same thing in the toaster bar. It's just a, it's just a, a, like a smidgen, maybe not again, not for you and me, but for these guys, it's, a, it's just a bit of a bigger set than you would want to do. It's just slightly bigger than what you'd want. Like you don't want to do a set of 38 toaster bar. And yet you might feel like you kind of have to do a set at 38 toaster bar because there's a five minute time cap on that 64 wall ball, 38 toaster bar. If you're doing like 20 ish wall ball uh, a minute, I mean, that's going to take you three minutes to do those wall ball and 38 toaster bar. I mean, you only have two minutes left before the time cap. What's going to happen? Your only option is to go for broke. And if you go for broke, guess what? You have one minute to transition. Event five has handstand walks. So you blew up your shoulders, you blew up your core, you blew up your quads, you tightened up all those hips. Guess what? You're going to have to walk on those hands and then you're going to have to do a a weighted box step overs. Love it. Great combination. Going to hurt. This is one of those events that's more like, uh, it's it's like skill under duress. That's a good way of describing it. Skill under duress because you're going to hurt yourself with event four. Event four reminds me of that big set of wall ball, big pull-up workout that we saw at regionals. Um, and then the follow-up to that one was like power cleans and pistols. I think it actually has to say that. Yeah, 2016 regionals workout, wall balls, pull-ups, and then the second part of it was power cleans and pistols. This is going to be a similar uh, vibe, right? And it's going to be it's going to be skill under duress. It's going to hurt to walk on your hands and do those step-overs. You're going to be, you know, tempted to just set those dumbbells down and stare at that box and try and commiserate. Be like, bro, are you hurting the way that I am hurting? And you're gonna look over and say, Judge, what what the what the hell are we doing here? Help me help you help me. Let's not do this anymore. None of us need to do this anymore. But by the time you finish that sentence, the workout's over in your last place. So you have no options. You just have to hold on to those dumbbells and get up and over the boxes. The fact that it's two sets of 22 step box step overs, I like that. It adds in another handstand walk. It makes it so that you're not stuck with this big chunk of box step overs, which is, you know, mentally challenging, but maybe gives you an opportunity to recover parts of your body that would help with handstand walking. So it's like 22 is just enough where you kind of have no excuse to stop at any point you shouldn't be really putting those those dumbbells down i think we're going to see some really interesting moments here where people are going to be you know rewarded for being able to have very quick turnarounds the person that you see who gets up and over the box and takes 14 steps to like get all the way across their floor turn around and step back that person's going to be messing up their transitions right you're going to want to see people get right up and over constantly kind of you know bouncing maybe only taking one step over on the other side one extra step before turning it back around and getting over so curious to see exactly how this turns around if they let people do side to side steps that sort of like back step crossover situation you can't see it but my legs are doing it underneath the table you can imagine it it's a back step you know so you you step across behind yourself in order to to do your box step over it makes it very, very quick comparatively um, as opposed to just facing the box because you don't have all those extra steps. You literally just ding, ding, make your legs go over the box, step both feet on the other side, 
cross back over and get get back over the box. So I like this this set of workouts. It's a good combo. Um, event six. Ooh, all right. So we've got the we've got the erg we got the erg monster. Um, the workout is uh, at its simplest form, five thousand meter bike, which I'm assuming is a bike erg. I don't know if they have it written here. Um, yeah, my guess is it's a biker. So a 5,000 meter biker. However, every three minutes, including the start, you are tasked with doing other stuff. So the first thing you're going to be doing is a 20 or 15 calorie row. And then at the three minute mark, you're going to do a 20 or 15 calorie ski. Makes sense. You're in Norway. You're at a ski resort. Of course, you're going to have to ski. At the six-minute mark, you're going to do a 15 or 10-calorie row. And at the nine-minute mark, you're going to do a 15 or 10-calorie ski. So it's basically the question becomes what's the maximum power output you can keep on the biker, which is incredibly unforgiving anyway, while also knocking out a lot of work on these other machines. Now, what does 20 or 15 calories look like for you and me? Um, Huffing and puffing you know, 55 seconds of work, major regrets, you know, maybe like, maybe like just questioning a lot of things, a lot of decisions that led to that point, And then wondering what you're going to do for the remaining 12 minutes of this workout. What's it look like for these athletes? I don't know, 40, 45 seconds. If they're really booking it, um, it really depends on what, where their engine is at, because as, uh, it's probably chase. I think I've heard chase Ingram say this and I can hear his voice in my head. Uh, you can't win this workout, Bill, on the rower, but you can certainly lose it. I, and and if if you guys know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've watched enough regionals or sanctionals or anything where Bill Grundler and Chase Ingram are doing the the commentary, I guarantee you an event has come up that has a rower in it or a ski erg in it. And Chase has said to Bill, you can't win this workout on the erg, Bill but you can certainly lose it. And there you go. He's 100% right. You can't win it on this on this erg uh, as, a, as far as the row or the ski goes, but you can certainly lose it because really this workout is about keeping your average pace on the bike erg as high as possible while moving through the rowing and the skiing as quickly as possible. So there's like this calculus that needs to happen. And I, I can guarantee you that every single one of these athletes has spent just a troublesome amount of time on all of these machines. And it's still for like 70% of them just going to go right out the door. They're not even going to, they're not even going to remember it. They're going to be like, you know what? I, I can, I can blitz this. I think I might be able to finish it. You know, I might be able to finish one K per interval. I'm just going to, I'm just, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to finish 2k before I need to get to the first time I ski. I'm going to, I'm going to row 20 calories and I'm going to transition and I'm going to get on that biker and I'm going to bike 2k in 90 seconds and it's going to be dope. And then we're going to see those people just crash and burn. It's going to be so entertaining. So yeah. Um, he, I think Phil mentions that his motivation here was to make something as devastating as acid bath. And if you guys remember, acid bath was from the Dubai CrossFit championship. It was, you know, it was skiing, it was biking, it was rowing. Um, not in that order. I think the order was ski, row, bike, I believe. 
and it was uh, it was brutal. It was a brutal, brutal, awesome, brutal, brutal workout. Uh, really, really tested the power output that these athletes could do on on these ergs. Um, so it's fun to watch for the end result. Um, not necessarily fun to do. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? All right, let's move on. Event seven, individual event seven. Cool little interval workout. Now here's where we start seeing the inspiration shift from something like regionals and other sanctioned events to something like the CrossFit Games. And what I like about this is that when we've seen interval workouts show up at the CrossFit Games, we think of that like two, 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 three interval workout where it had ski erg, rope climbs, and overhead squats. Now that combination is absolutely devastating. Cool workout, great concept, really, really fun to watch on the floor. Uh, you know, kudos to Castro for putting that workout together. However, maybe not the appropriate type of test for a sanctioned event. Because remember, the sanctioned event is going to be leading into the CrossFit Games. It shouldn't be testing just like the CrossFit Games. So here's a great variation of an interval type workout that gives you something kind of sort of similar in terms of of, uh, work and rest interval workout test without necessarily leaning on super destructive, crazy ass workout stuff, right? Movements, right? Nothing too crazy, nothing too complex, nothing really out of this world. It's deadlifts, it's strict handstand pushups, it's double unders. And if there's anything that makes something like Diane worse, it's probably the simple monostructural shoulder and wrist and forearm burning like cardio engagement of double unders it's elegant it's a it's like the cherry on top of of this this ice cream sundae that is deadlifts and handstand push-ups that everybody has done before you throw in double unders though especially amrap double unders think of it this way so the deadlift by the way he doesn't mention the weight here but he has a video this looks like that's uh, that's 100 kilos. The two blues is 100 kilos. Each of those greens is 10 kilos. That's 120 kilos. Looks like 125 kilos. Maybe 130. It's hard to tell. My guess is 125 kilos. If it's 125 kilos, that's 275 on the men's side. What does that mean? That means you're doing 6, 12. There's four rounds of this. 48 deadlifts at 275. That's pretty decent volume, especially considering it's the seventh workout of the weekend. You're doing 48 strict handstand push-ups. Now we're talking we're talking heavy Diane plus, right? Because that's 45 reps and at 225, and you can kip those handstand push-ups. So now we're talking about heavy Diane plus, right? Throw in your AMRAP double unders, and suddenly your heart rate can't ever really settle. Suddenly your shoulders can't ever really relax. Your traps don't ever really get disengaged and next time you come over for your handstand push-ups you're all up here and suddenly your handstand push-ups aren't really working the way they were it's just a cool combination um the toughest part about this is honestly just going to be the judges not blinking and missing six double unders uh while they while they close their eyes for half a second so cool workout interesting to see how it goes i wonder what the scores are going to be for this one um probably big lots and lots of double unders lots of double unders Event number eight, individual event number eight, three rep max front squat from the ground, which means you're going to have to clean that bar, big boy. 
and they have a setup that's really interesting. So I'll read this out for you guys. The starting weight options, you have four different options to start off with. On the men's side, it's 110 kilos, 120 kilos, 130 kilos, 140 kilos. For those of us who are stuck in the imperial system, that's 242 pounds, 264 pounds, 288, 86 pounds, and 308 pounds. Um, women's starting weight options, 65 kilos, 75 kilos, 85 kilos, 95 kilos. That is like 143, 155, uh, 185-ish, uh, 186 maybe, uh, and like 210. Uh, so you kind of start at whatever weight you want on these options. You do three reps. You can increase five kilos at a time. That is it. And you can only increase after you hit your triple. So we're going to see people, very, very strong people starting off probably around the 130 mark. I don't, I just don't know very many people that are going to start at 140 because by this point, they're probably kind of tired, kind of tired, but I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this one. So we'll see some athletes start off 130, 140, maybe 140, probably 130. Um, and it's going to be like a war of attrition. There's probably going to be that one athlete that starts super light and is just a volume monster. Because imagine if you start at the 110, it's a trap, by the way. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a trap. If you start at the 110 or you start at the 65, the gap there is 30 kilos. You have to do six sets of three before you even match the person who starts at the highest weight six sets so you have to clean and front squat triples six times before you can even match the person who starts heavier so if you have any sort of confidence in your legs whether you're male or female in this event do not fall for the trap of starting light it is a trap if you have too much confidence in your legs, maybe don't start with the heaviest, super heavy ones. I, I suspect the most popular ones are going to be the middle weights. Um, and I think the winning athletes are probably going to be the ones that start at the third weight. That's going to be my guess. The reason behind that is because they'll probably be the strongest ones. They'll use it as part of their warm up. You get two sets in, you get a couple reps in, you're good to go. You know, you do one at 130, 135, and suddenly you're matched with the guy who felt super cool doing the 140, had warmed up really well, but then spent 15 minutes waiting in the corral before they get out onto the floor. You know, suddenly you're 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 made up. You've made up that distance, and they're struggling with 145, and you're just a few sets in. You're good to go. You're you're solid. So that's gonna be my guess. That's gonna be my guess of how that one goes. Um, all right, the final event on the individual side. It's a doozy. It's a real doozy. It is basically Super Fran. Super Fran. So it's two rounds of 21 thrusters, 21 pull-ups. That's the round of 21 from Fran, using Fran weights, 40 kilos, 30 kilos. Then it's two rounds of 15 thrusters, 15 chest-to-bar pull-ups. Squeeze me. Slightly heavier weight, 50 kilos, 35 kilos. Okay. And then it's two rounds of nine thrusters, nine bar muscle-ups at an even heavier weight, 60 kilos, 40 kilos. All right. All right. I see what you're doing there. That's cool. A little ascending skill weight situation, descending reps. It's going to burn. It's going to hurt. People are going to, you know, really go all out. This is a fun one to see. Um, 
the sort of the race that usually happens at the end of sanctioned events in terms of who's going to get the spot and uh, who's going to be getting the invite to the CrossFit Games. This is going to be a cool one to see that come down to. Personally, I mean, maybe if I was going to adjust this in any way, I would probably make it three rounds, two rounds, one round um, and make it slightly just a smidge heavier as it goes on. Uh, but that said, I think it's still a pretty dope workout. There's a reason why Fran is one of the most sort of talked about CrossFit workouts. It's real painful. It's painful for a good reason. Very similar to that combination of snatches and burpees. You're moving your body essentially through like the maximum amount of range of motion that you can get. And there's an outside load and you're getting this sort of like real punch in the dick of the, you know, the, the, the body shutting down because of all the lactate um, and just kind of tipping into glycolytic. This pushes it a little bit further um, into that glycolytic stage, but still sets up that sort of lactic punch, especially after the first couple rounds. Um, you've basically done Fran. Think of it that way. You basically do Fran in the first two rounds, right? Fran is 45 pull-ups, 45 thrusters. The first two rounds of this workout is 42 thrusters, 42 pull-ups. Yeah. Yeah, so you're there. I mean, two minutes in, two and a half minutes into the workout, you've already basically done Fran, and you still have 30 chest-to-bar pull-ups, 18 bar muscle-ups, and another 48 um, thrusters of of even heavier weight than what you just did. So, yeah, this is going to be a fun one to watch. Um, Let's go ahead and get into the team programming. Um, Again, I'm pretty sure the first team event is the same thing as the first individual event. They're going to be running outdoors going to be doing the thing getting out there into the snow uh at this event so that'll be cool to see but the first team event is 10 rounds for time of four synchro bar muscle ups on the women's side five synchro bar muscle ups on the men's side and six clean and jerks with das vom so this is going to be one of those workouts that you know we've talked a lot a lot about workouts where the separation doesn't happen until very late into the workout um, this, that was a situation with like the mayhem workout that had the legless rope climbs, like all those legless rope climbs, the separation didn't happen until six rounds in seven rounds in same thing here, 10 rounds for time of four, five, six. That's not a lot of volume. Bar muscle ups are easier to do than ring muscle ups because it requires less stability. However, when you're synchronizing all this stuff together, putting it all together, you're putting the women synchro together, the men synchro together, then putting them together onto the worm. 10 different transitions across those rounds. Something is bound to add up. This is one of those workouts where at some point, like rounds eight, nine, and 10 is where things start falling apart. The first half of this workout, I think is going to look pretty similar across the top athletes. I'm sorry, the top teams. Um, but it's going to, uh, it's definitely going to add up across the the, the later half of this workout. Um, team event tree. The male-male pair is going to complete 60 calorie ski, 40 synchro toes to bar, 20 squat snatches at 85 kilos. The female-female pair is going to go 50 calorie ski, 40 synchro toes to bar, and 20 squat snatches at 55 kilos. As a reminder, let's see, 85 kilos, that's uh, 186, 87 pounds, something like that. And 55 kilos is 125-ish on the women's side. So essentially what you're looking at here is 
in my guess, um, good, uh, good communication, right? You've got to figure out what you're, what you're going to be doing for those synchro toes to bar, probably big sets to start off with probably smaller sets as it goes on. And then quick singles. Um, you know, I doubt we're going to see a lot of touch and go on the, um, on the squat snatches, there might be some real hosses out there and hossettes out there kind of crushing these touch and go snatches, but I don't think, I, don't, I just don't think that's going to happen. You know, my gut tells me that singles is going to be much faster anyway. Um, you just don't get enough rest for the work, the output you're putting in for doing a touch and go versus just doing one at a time and not eating the negative, you know, just kind of getting it up and dropping it. Plus it's squat snatches. So by doing doubles, you're really increasing the time under tension for your hips. And um, that's just not a good strategy, in my opinion. Now, again, I'm I'm very willing and open to being proven wrong here. So someone go out there and just do 20 unbroken and don't let your partner do any work. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Now things get a little bit weird. I don't know why this was sort of um, released this way. But four and seven were released, and look, the next page is five and six. So we're going to talk about four and seven first, and then we'll talk about five and six. Event four, male-female pair, 21-15-9, deadlifts and burpee box jump overs, synchro deadlifts. I'm sorry, partner deadlifts and synchro burpee box jump overs. And then the second male-female pair is 9-15-21, same diggity deal synchro burpee box jump overs partner deadlifts that's going to add up um that's a really messed up combination we've seen the um the deadlift box jump combination has shown up a lot in real in competitions it's shown up at regionals a bunch shown up in the open a few times um it is it is a rough combination it's very very tough to stay explosive after the loading that is a heavy barbell for deadlifts 180 kilos for a partner deadlift Male female pair is moderate weight. I mean that that's going to add up. It's somewhere above what the normal weight would be. It's somewhere above the 225, not quite up near the 315 range, right? So it's probably similar to like a 275 uh, deadlift or a 265 deadlift on the men's side. Um or like a 170 what would that be? 175 deadlift, 165 deadlift on the women's side, something like that. But it's the combination and and you're kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, which direction do you want to go? Do you want to go the descending direction where you feel a little bit better and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel? Or do you want to go the ascending direction where your last set is going to be your biggest set? Woof is all I got to say about that one. Woof. Uh, let's see. Event seven. Three rounds per time, 50-calorie row and 50-calorie bike, 24-meter warm lunge, 24-meter handstand walk. I love this workout. I love this workout. There's a few reasons why I like this workout. One of the main reasons why I like this workout is because as warm lunges, warm lunges are, have I seen, have I used the word devastating enough so far? Let's use it again. Warm lunges are devastating folks. They're just devastating. They, they hurt. They require a type of synchronization that not a lot of teams are able to master very easily because of the type of movement it is. And it really punishes having poor spacing across the worm. On top of that, when you're rowing and biking, guess what parts of your body are getting jacked up? It's your legs. So when you have to lunge after doing that, just try and do this on your own. Just try and do like 50 calorie row and you know 24 meter lunging without any weights. It's going to hurt. It's, it's going to hurt a lot. It's going to hurt a lot. 
And uh, I may not be a smart man. I'm a smart man. But let's just go along with it. I may not be a smart man, but I see I know pain when I see it. And this is this is gonna be pain. This is absolutely gonna be pain. Super cool. And by the way, asking him to handstand walk after just completely moving all the blood in your body to your quads. Uh cool. Super cool. I don't think we're gonna see anybody eat it, but it's the type of thing that would make me eat it. And um, you know, respect the game. That's cool. Events five and six. So it looks like, so he says here in the caption, we finished Saturday with 200 points for grabs for the teams. So it seems like Saturday is going to be events five and six for the teams. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that does for the schedule for the individuals, but at least it tells us the teams are going to finish events seven and eight on Sunday. So event five is 100 warm squats for time. Event six is a one or max clean. Hell yeah. I mean, that is, that's a cool combination. Uh, the warm squats is, you know, the warm squats is, it's simple. It's painful. You can always do more. So I think really this ends up being, a, and you only have 12 minutes. So really this ends up being, can you pump your quads up with all these squats and then still be able to get a decent clean off um, in the remaining time? And I think the fact that they're scored separately as opposed to being one workout with like big cleans added in at the end, uh, I think that's a really interesting way of doing things. You get to see big weights, but you also have to earn these big weights like you know, you don't want to go so slow that you're fresh because if you go super slow on the 100 warm squats, you don't have as much time and you're going to be placing poorly in that workout. But you also don't want to go super fast because you might go super fast and have a bunch of time to do your cleans. But if you go super fast, you have spent so much time under that worm that your quads are going to be destroyed. And the other part of you that gets wrecked when it comes to worm squats is because you are under load, right? Your entire body is under load from wherever the load is. And if the load's on your shoulder, your your core, your lower back, your arms uh, to a certain extent, your hips, your quads, all the everything from the neck down is being loaded. And that loading can and absolutely will affect these athletes' abilities to hit a heavy clean. So yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be a really fun one to see. We already talked about event seven earlier, and now the final event, event eight for the teams: four rounds for time of forty synchro chest to bar pull ups and fifteen warm thrusters. This sounds like it's gonna be um, across the board, kind of the four uh, the four athletes, or maybe it's gonna be duels working together at the same time. Not one hundred percent sure, but you're talking about one hundred and sixty synchro chest to bar pull ups. Obviously, not every athlete is gonna be doing every chest bar pull up that just sounds like a lot um and 15 worm thrusters my guess is it's probably going to be um two pairs working together i would be sh- i would be very surprised i mean the details are light here i don't know exactly what's going on but i would be very surprised if every single one of those pull-ups had to be done by all four of the team members that would be a monstrous amount of volume. You're talking about 160 chest of our pull-ups. It just, with how smart the programming has been up until that point, I would be shocked if they actually made a mistake like that. And, um, well, in my opinion, made a mistake like that and made the entire workout just come down to who can do 160 chest of our pull-ups. 
uh, without blowing up. But yeah, this is this is classic. It's a Fran. It's basically Fran. You're doing chest bar pull-ups. You're doing warm thrusters. Warm thrusters are probably a little bit easier than a barbell thruster. But again, the coordination that it takes to get the warm thrusters together, if you have one team member having a bad go at it, it can really, really negatively affect everybody else involved here. Yeah, lots of moving parts. Pretty cool workout. A lot of stuff going on there, folks. Um, so there you have it. That's all the workouts for the Norwegian CrossFit Championships. Let's go ahead and see if there's anybody talking about. Um, let's see. Let's see if there's any questions or anything on 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 YouTube here. Um, let's see. Alexis Johnson completely tore her Achilles doing box jumps. Oh, that's not good. Uh, that's really not good. Um, I, I do not know if that is 100% true. That's according to John Lee. Uh, I, I don't have the ability to check it right now because I'm sitting here live with you guys. But that's not good. If that's the case, that's really not good. Um, let's see. The amount of public information on which athletes who are competing was unfortunately not great for the sanctional. Also, the amount of information on the event start times have been hard to find. That's from champions harbor i 100 agree uh if it wasn't for morning chalk up telling me exactly who was competing and where i i would have a hard time knowing that as well but i still haven't been able to find start times for the event so i don't know when this is starting i just know that it's scheduled to run the 14th the 15th and the 16th so at some point tomorrow in gall norway these people are going to be getting after it and there's going to be someone with the stopwatch probably writing down their times. Uh, let's see. CJ says, event four is definitely going to be mentally harder because of those random numbers. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. 64, wall ball, 38, toast to bar. They don't have a relationship to one another. The relationship is they're both a little bit more than you would really want to do in any one setting. And... Six is twice three and eight is twice four. That's it. That's the only relationship I can find between those things. So uh yeah, there's there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts here. Let's see if we can find out what's going on um with Alexis Johnson real quick since uh we got that mentioned in the um in our comments here. Uh because a full oh yeah, no, this is ungood. Let's see here. Uh there we go. Oh, how life can change in an instant Tuesday morning on my 86th box jump. I felt like something sniped in the back of my heel. I felt the ground and my ankle felt weak and I crawled my way across the gym floor, felt the back of my heel. And sure enough, there was a hole. Nothing was attached. I completely tore my right Achilles. Ooh, that is really not good. And she's showing us how not good it is with the international symbol for that ain't good with a thumbs up. Um, but she seems to have a good attitude about it. If you guys don't know who Lexis Johnson is, she's first of all, a math genius. And second of all, super duper fit. So, um, I don't think, you know, this sucks really sucks. Achilles injuries are really bad. Um, it just takes a lot of time to get back from an Achilles injury. Uh, you know, you, you lose some of the confidence in your explosiveness after losing an Achilles. Um, the surgery and recovery itself is, you know, six to eight months before you're even kind of normal again. And that's just a long, long time um, to be sort of stuck in like a recovery mode. But I know Alexis, I've, I've uh, done a bunch of content with her. I've worked with her in the past. She's, she's really, really dedicated to what she does. I would be surprised if she 
doesn't come back just as good, if not better than she was before. She's the type of athlete that will like qualify for the games just to prove that she can and then not take the individual invite. So yeah, yeah, I feel bad. Uh, I feel bad seeing that happen, but I think that she's, uh, she's going to be okay. She has a good team around her and uh, she's got, she's got what it takes to sort of recover from this and, and be in a good spot again. So there you go, folks. Um, that's a bit of a bummer to end this show on, I guess. But uh, yeah, shout out to everybody for hanging out. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Remember, there's a whole lot going on in our sport. Easy to miss some of the most interesting and exciting stories. That is what I'm here for. I'm wearing some brand new Arm & Hammer TV merch. This is going to be available on my website, armandhammer.tv, probably starting tomorrow. So maybe keep your eyes open for that. That's going to be cool. And it's also going to be available in person at Wadapalooza, which is where I'm going to be next weekend. So this weekend, I'm going to be up watching the Norwegian CrossFit Championships from across the sea on YouTube, which you can watch on Morning Chalk Up's channel. Next weekend, I'm going to be in person, boots on the ground in Miami, slanging some sweet new tees and saying what's up to whoever wants to say what's up. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Wadapalooza is always a good time. I don't think I've ever I've, I've said anything this year yet about being there. So consider this your warning. I'm going to be in Miami for Wadapalooza, everybody. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Try and think if there's a... Oh, yeah, tomorrow morning. Before I forget. Tomorrow morning, Friday the 14th. That's, that's the last full day that Kyle Bogart is in Austin, Texas. We are doing a live scale as needed starting 11 a.m. Austin, Texas Central Time, which was probably going to cut into my watching Norwegian CrossFit Championships time. But hey, you got to do what you got to do. My boy is leaving Austin, Texas. He's going He's going back to L.A. Back to L.A. No, he's just moving to L.A. He's never lived there before. He's moving to L.A. And it's bittersweet because I love seeing this guy. Um every week and hanging out with him and getting a chance to talk to him. And uh, I also love seeing him succeed and do some really cool things. And that's exactly what he's going to LA to do. He's going there to succeed and do some cool things. He's going to either come back with his shield or on it. You get the reference. So either way, join us for a very special, very live, very exciting scale is needed. Kyle's last episode. Sounds really weird to say. I'm going to say last-ish. Kyle's last-ish episode. He's probably going to be back. You know what I mean? Once he's a super famous director in Hollywood, he's going to be like, I'm not going to forget my friends in Austin, Texas, and he's going to jump on the show again. Anyway, folks, there you have it. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with me. Thank you for you know, watching along as we went through all those workouts. Really appreciate the support. Um, Norwegian CrossFit Championship is shaping up to be very fun to watch, I think. So I'm looking forward to that this weekend. It's going to be a good time. Some of those events look really cool, especially, like I said, event three, that burpee and snatch workout. It's probably the single best open workout ever. So yeah, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be super sweet. And um, I will be doing more of these live shows across the weekend as I sort of get an idea of what their daily schedule is going to look like. Um, tomorrow we have the scales needed live, so I'm not sure we're going to do a live recap of uh, NCC tomorrow, 
but probably Saturday and probably Sunday. You'll see it. I'll schedule it on YouTube. You can just jump in. You can just jump in on that action with me, folks. It's going to be super cool, and we're going to do it all together because that's what we do. Thank you. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Later.